Welcome to episode one of the Search with Kanda podcast, recorded on Friday the 15th of March 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and I'm joined today by Rob Lewis. Hello. And we're going to take about 15 minutes to run through some of the most important search news of the week and hopefully make your lives a bit easier. We've been quite lucky actually in the last week or so uh, because there's three really important things um, that have come up. The first is some PPC news. There's been some changes in Google Ads, specifically shopping campaigns and the launch of a new Google Shopping ad format. The second thing is changes to Apple's ITP, which is Intelligent Tracking Prevention in Safari 12.1, which is currently in beta. And that's an important thing to know about because it's likely to cause some disruption within Google Analytics um, and actually quite a lot of JavaScript uh, based tracking. Thirdly, uh, Google are currently rolling out what they are describing as a broad core algorithm update. Um, so we've started to see some rankings shift there. Um, so we've got a little bit about that. So uh, let's kick off with Google Ads. Uh, So on the 8th of March, Google sent out an email entitled Changes to the Search Network for Your Shopping Campaigns. And this email said, Google Images is a visually rich surface and a key part of millions of users' shopping journeys every day. Users frequently turn to Google Images for idea exploration, how-to guidance, product discovery, and visual imagery related to key shopping categories like fashion, home, and beauty. We are excited to announce that we will be integrating Google Images into our core search network late in March. This means shopping ads that you are likely already familiar with will now automatically be eligible to appear in Google Images results when users are searching for relevant keywords. What this means for your Google Shopping campaigns all of your shopping ads will automatically be eligible to serve on Google Images. You'll no longer have to opt into the search partner network to show shopping ads on Google Images. If your campaigns currently run on the search partner network, you may see a decrease in traffic coming in from search partner network and an increase in traffic coming from the search network. This is because Google Images was previously a part of the Search Partner Network. And there's a note here, it says that historical Google Images traffic will not be recategorized from the Search Partner Network to the Search Network. So I guess they're saying that it's not gonna retroactively uh, update the source of that traffic. If your campaigns are not currently opted into the Search Partner Network, your ads will start showing on Google Images And as a result, there may be a 3 to 10% increase in traffic at lower cost per click and comparable conversion rates. Well, that sounds a bit too good to be true. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean, Rob, you're working with PPC accounts every day. What does this practically mean for those people that are running Google Shopping campaigns? So 
Basically, to summarize all of that, Google has just announced it's merging Google Images with the standard search network for shopping campaigns, rather than listing Google Images under search partners. So this means you can no longer opt out of having shopping ads showing on Google Images. You'll have to show your shopping ads on Google Images. And this may seem great. It may seem like um, you've just um, received a brand new uh, channel, in effect, um, another medium for showcasing your shopping ads. But there are many reasons why you'd want to exclude advertising from the search partners network. Um, the first is... Typically, search partners generates a lower conversion rate naturally anyway, um, which means a lower ROI, um, so lower profits for many advertisers, although um, that's not necessarily a definite. Um, there are cases where for some advertisers, the search partners uh, network generates um, a better ROI or better conversion rates, although in my experience, um, that's in the minority of cases. Um, for many advertisers, um, excluding search partners gives more leeway for increasing bids and visibility on your standard shopping campaigns. Um, so you can increase bids, um, drive additional traffic within your target return on ad spend, um, and therefore just increase profits generally. Um, so typically, you would use a data-led approach and you would look at performance over several months, several years, and just see how Search Partners has converted in comparison to the standard search network. And in many cases, it converts poorly, so you would simply exclude it. It does make me suspicious when um, Google's saying they're going to give us traffic at an average lower cost per click, because uh, that does normally mean lower lower quality. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we've actually seen uh, these forced forced, I guess is the right word, changes before. I think in Google Ads, the the one that occurs to me is when, and I don't know how many years ago it was now, when Google moved from exact match to what they now call the closed variant. So that's when originally in Google AdWords, we used to be able to just target a very exact search term. And now Google by default allows kind of minor variations and very similar searches through the net. Um, and I think in many cases, actually, that's turned out to be helpful for a lot of advertisers. There was a lot of backlash, I remember, at the time about that. And uh, like you're saying now, about people wanting to have full control over their accounts. Um, but it turned out, because of the diversity of searches, a lot of advertisers were actually missing out on some really kind of long-tail stuff that's working. Do you think in this case, with the Google Shopping changes, there's any potential benefits like that? Well, it's interesting that you should mention the exact match to close variant change that they made several years back because, uh, yeah, you're right, there was a backlash. But actually, um, it was a really good data-led change. And it's a data-led change that you can actually check and compare um, exact match searches versus the close variant searches. And in many cases, the close variant searches have a higher conversion rate uh, and therefore drive more profit for advertisers. However, in this particular change, you are not going to be able to segment the difference between um, shopping ads that show on Google Images and shopping ads that display in the, in the normal search results. Um, so I have some concerns over this particular change. Mm. Um, having said that, I'm, I think there are some good changes that could be made. I mean, they've recently announced a new Google Shopping ad format off the back of this announcement. And they've not explained precisely how it will work, 
But the example image that they've shown of this new ad format is that it will work somewhat like an interactive ad format, but specifically okay. for Google images. So someone might Google uh, kitchen ideas, for example, and mm -hmm. you'll have the standard Google image search results. But instead you might um, occasionally be presented with a larger image ad format of um, a, a nice kitchen. Um, and if the user hovers the mouse over that image, over the various items within that image, for example, there may be a kettle, uh, there may be a nice kitchen cabinet. As the user hovers their mouse over that image, uh, they'll be displayed the price of that item, um, the name of the item and, and where they can purchase it from. So that's a new ad format that Google are hinting that they're going to be releasing sometime soon. So it's possible that that will be their method of manually opting in to Google Images. But a separate email that I've received um, following this announcement from Google is that you can't opt out of this change. So um, I mm. suspect at the moment it's it's still something that you're going to just have to live with um, and, and go from there, really. So do, is there anything kind of PPC managers can be doing sort of now to adapt to that change? I think... The most important thing is to a be aware of that change and that it's taking place um, because quite often these major changes slip under the radar of many advertisers and make huge impacts to the performance of their pay-per-click campaigns um, before they even know why. Um, so that's the most important thing, be aware of the change. Um, and second, to monitor the impact from the point of that change and just as always, just optimise optimize, optimize, optimize until you get a better return on investment and your campaign is working for you. Cool. Thanks, Rob. So um, talking about monitoring, tracking, uh, it looks like it's going to get harder uh, because of some changes Apple is making to ITP, so Intelligent Tracking Prevention. Uh, for those that don't know, Apple's ITP launched in 2017. It's on by default and was originally designed to help prevent cross-site tracking and unwanted third parties collecting data without the knowledge or consent of their users, which is fair enough because uh, there's a lot of that going on um, and a lot of it isn't um, sort of particularly helpful for the end user. Uh, however, part of the update to the intelligent tracking prevention, so this is version 2.1, is this, all persistent client-side cookies, i.e. persistent cookies created through document.cookie are capped to a seven-day expiry. So this means in effect that any JavaScript library wanting to store a cookie in a web browser will have that cookie capped to a seven-day lifetime. After seven days uh, that it's been created from, it will expire and it will be removed from the browser. And this is currently on by default in the beta releases of iOS 12.2, Safari 12.1, on Mac OS High Sierra and Mojave. Um, all of these are carrying the updated version of ITP. What this means for us as marketers is essentially um, we, a lot of our marketing technology platforms are relying on client-side first-party cookies. So this means it will affect the uh, default implementations of things like Google Analytics, Google Ads, Facebook, um, affiliate tracking. Uh, in practice, the basic metrics such as users will be artificially inflated uh, because 
they're coming to the site and after seven days, if they're coming back, they're not going to be recognized as a returning visitor. They're going to be seen as a, as a new visitor. Um, it's an interesting change. Um, I mean, generally, I think cross-site tracking is a bad thing, uh, but it does seem to have the potential for some collateral damage. Um, I mean, Google Analytics, there's a lot of, I'll say us as marketers that are using that tool to you know, optimize performance of our sites um, and to make the user experience better. And the ITP 2.1 is gonna make some of those things very difficult, um, you know, giving us some difficulty looking at basic metrics. There is an incredibly detailed technical write-up of ITP 2.1 by Simo Avaha. Um, I've put the link in the show notes on search.withcanda.co.uk. So there you can get the transcription of this episode and the related links. And Simo gives a really good breakdown of the technical side of ITP. And actually there are some possible workarounds that look like they're coming. Um, And it would be really interesting, I think, to see what action Google will take with things like Google Analytics, because I assume they're not going to take this lying down and just let their analytics platform take a hit like this. It's just what you want to really, isn't it, Rob? I mean, attribution modeling, everything is so easy at the best of times. This will this will make it even easier for you. Yeah, great. Um, I can't wait. Actually, it's uh, interesting because quite a lot of the clients I deal with on pay-per-click have um, a lead consideration time sometimes in excess of 60 days. So it's going to be interesting um, monitoring the initial click through to mm. the lead being generated um, when it's when the lead time is longer than seven days. So we'll see how that turns out. Okay. Um, and lastly, we want to talk about a Google update. So two days ago on the 13th of March, the Google search liaison Danny Sullivan tweeted, this week we released a broad core algorithm update as we do several times per year. Our guidance about such updates remains as we've covered before. Please see these tweets for more about that. Um, As far as SEO announcements go, uh, it sparked quite a lot of interest in the search community. And I think that's because it's actually quite rare nowadays for Google to officially confirm that they've actually made an algorithm change. Normally, uh, they kind of leave it to us to notice things are, are changing quite drastically and then they might throw us throw us a bone and as a clue as to what's happening. Um, so this is this is a little bit different. Um, there's been some comments from the Google side indicating this may be one of the bigger updates that they've pushed in the last few years. Uh, it's still really too early to say what kind of sites may have been affected by this update. And unless actually you're running kind of third party Uh, monitoring of your rankings, you won't have any ranking data come through in Google Search Console yet. And it's worth noting as well that although Google says, you know, they've done this algorithm update, they generally take a matter of weeks to kind of propagate around the web before we see uh, the the effect of these. Uh, Google's advice that Danny Sullivan mentioned on the broad core algorithm updates has been this. Uh, Each day, so this is from Google, each day Google usually releases one or more changes designed to improve our results. Some are focused around specific improvements. Some are broad changes. Last week, we released a broad core algorithm update. We do these routinely several times per year. As with any update, some sites may note drops or gains. 
There's nothing wrong with pages that may now perform less well. Instead, it's that changes to our systems are benefiting pages that were previously under-rewarded. There is no quote-unquote fix for pages that may perform less well other than to remain focused on building great content. Over time, it may be that your content may rise relative to other pages. And I'll include a, a link to the Twitter thread in the show notes as well. Um, I think it's important to take this advice on board, actually, for several reasons. Uh, firstly, every time we're seeing an algorithm update, we have to bear in mind, actually, all we're seeing really is Google close kind of this technical gap that exists between what they're trying to achieve with their end goal, uh, which is uh, how we want to interpret it, providing users with the highest satisfaction search results. Um, there are always technical kind of nuances we need to pay attention to. Um, but if you're getting hung up on specifics, on ranking factors, it probably, in my opinion, means your, your overall SEO strategy is wrong. Um, so if you do see any negative impacts over the, you know, with your rankings over the next week or so, it might be worth taking a step back and comparing your site, your content to competitors and seeing if the root of the problem lies there rather than trying to work out if Google's kind of adjusted a, a knob or a lever somewhere and there's some ranking factor you can take advantage of. This is more about Google working out which content is good. So that would be where I would kind of start. Okay, that's everything for our inaugural episode. I hope you enjoyed it. The next episode is scheduled to go out on Monday, the 25th of March.